Welcome to the new WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. Over the next half hour, WellMed Radio will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Marissa Charles and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. Here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Marissa Charles. Well, thank you and welcome to WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Marissa Charles. She's board certified in family medicine, a physician here uh, with WellMed in the San Antonio area, and it's a delight to have her with us at the Ingram Park location. Hi, Ron. It's good to be here. It's nice to see you. It's nice to see you, too. Next to the WellMed Senior Center, still not open. Still not open. Nope. We've had um, a lot of changes secondary to COVID-19, and so that's been one of our um, one of the problems that we've had is not being able to have that um, senior center open. And I know they're feeding a whole lot of folks who come through there. They're, uh, for many, the only hot meal for the day that many of them get. And they're still providing that through the city of San Antonio and WellMed. I believe so, yes. That's pretty cool. It is nice. And you've got a new uh, wrinkle to your practice. You do parking lot practice. You know what? You know, we you're like to make chilies. I, I got dinner curbside at Chili's. I get doctor curbside at Wellman. That's right. Well, you know, the biggest issue that we've been seeing with coronavirus is the danger of exposure. And so in order to try to protect our patients, we're seeing them in the parking lots. So, yes, it is curbside service. And, um, and how do patients respond? Overall, I think the response has been very positive. I mean, we still have a few patients that feel that they would prefer to have the face-to-face experience. And, you know, for certain conditions that we feel that we need to see the patient or be able to evaluate them in a more, um, you know, uh, intimate setting, then we'll go ahead and bring them on in and see them in exam rooms. But the vast majority have taken very well. We have these little devices that we call grand pads, and they're like little iPads. Um, that we use to communicate, and they've got a pretty clear picture, and we're able to get most that we need to get get done. And then because we're on site, if the patient does need something, we can run right outside and either examine a wound or, you know, listen to, you know, heart and lungs, whatever it is that we feel that we need to do. That's pretty cool. It's good. It's been, it's been I think, the best that we've been able to, to manage um, in light of the current situation. Well, we are a hot spot here in uh, uh, the state of Texas. The numbers of uh, positive diagnoses for uh, uh, COVID-19 have been going up over the past couple of weeks. And we're going to jump to Florida, which is a hot spot as well. Kimberly Bradley joins us, a nurse practitioner, well-certified in a variety of areas as a nurse practitioner. She's with WellMed at Sebastian in Florida, earned her bachelor's degree from Indian River State College in Fort Pierce, and earned her master's degree in nursing from South University in Royal Palm Beach, Florida. And I want to welcome you to the program. It's good to talk to you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Tell us a little bit about what led you into becoming a nurse practitioner. Uh, I was a nurse for uh, 20 years before I became a nurse practitioner. And I said I needed to, you know, be able to... uh, do more for the patient than uh, my regular registered nurse duties. So I uh, decided to go back to school. And in in many ways, you parallel uh, what a PCP can do. You can prescribe medication uh, under the supervision of a doc. You can uh, do all kinds of things that, as an RN, you could not do, right? 
That's correct. What do you enjoy the most? I enjoy the most being able to help patients uh, see their improvement, you know, from recommendations or medication changes that uh, we make and how the WellMed model follows, you know, the patient. And I think that our patients are really uh, cared for very well. When you say WellMed model, Dr. Charles, what, what is she referring to? Well, our ability through, um, you know, the, the type of practice that we do at WellMed where we're focused so much on prevention, on making sure that our patients are well cared for, we have teams that um, allow us to track patients and monitor um, so that we can um, do more preventative medicine, identify problems in earlier stages, and it does allow us quite a bit more um, time to get to know our patients, and they encourage us to do that. And a variety of late uh, end-of-life care as well. Correct. Well, because the majority of our patients are, you know, uh, Medicare age, you know, 65 and older, although we do see some patients that are younger than that. But um, we do have palliative teams. We do have um, teams where we can see patients or uh, bridge patients out from the hospital into the home um, when they require extra care and um, until we can get them back in the office. So we have so many services that we can provide for patients. Well, one of the things that has been uh, uh, such a huge concern here in South Texas and Kimberly, I gather it is true in Sebastian as well, and that is the increase in the number of people being diagnosed with COVID-19, the norovirus. What are you seeing in your particular clinic? Uh, for me in our particular clinic, well, I, I also I work in the Fort Pierce location, and uh, in South Florida we are seeing that uptake because of our uh the businesses have been open now, and you see more people than less that are not, you know, following guidelines in the public out there. Uh, people are not wearing masks, and the, you know, opportunity for transmission is greater. So that's why they're seeing a, a big surge now. Stay with us just a minute. If you've just joined us, you're listening to WellMed Radio. On 9.30 a.m., The Answer, I'm Ron Aaron. Our co-host is with us, and we delight every week And when we have a chance to talk with Dr. Marissa Charles, who is with us here in the studio. And we're talking on our WellMed Radio Hotline with Kimberly Bradley, a nurse practitioner in Florida, where they are seeing an uptake, an increased number of folks uh, with the virus that uh, has just swept across this country. What are you telling people? Uh, how are you treating them? Because there is no prescribed treatment. And what are you offering them if, indeed, they're diagnosed positive uh, with the coronavirus? If they are diagnosed positive, then they have uh, usually the diagnosis is done. Well, first, there's a screening. If they have a temperature, you know, or they have the cough or any of the symptoms uh, of the virus, they are not allowed into the clinic. So we uh, practice that. That's our first uh, step. Then we have specific clinics here in uh, our area that are they are sent to, and uh, they're tested there, and then you know provided the treatment that they need. And there is, Dr. Charles, no real treatment. So there's no cure. We treat based on symptoms. So if they're coughing, we can give, you know, medication to try to reduce 
some of the discomfort from the coughing, if they're congested, if they're having nausea, intestinal, you know, discomfort, we can treat symptomatically, but no, there is no cure. And that's one of the things we hope uh, drug companies are working on feverishly uh, to come up with not only a vaccine down the road a little bit, uh, but a a treatment, uh, the kind of medication that will stop the development and spread of the disease once it's in you. That's not there yet, though, right, Kimberly? No, that's not there yet. They're still uh, testing, and as you said, uh, they don't think a vaccine will be available until next year. Because it takes time to develop it. There's no mm-hmm. instant vaccine, and I'm speaking only for myself. I would sure want that vaccine tested and proved to be, first of all, not going to hurt me. Safe. Safe. Right. And then second of all, the promise would be uh, develop enough antibodies that you're not going to get uh, the virus uh, when it strikes next. And it's coming again, right? Mm -hmm. That's right. So, um, Kimberly, what are some things that you are um, telling your patients to try to help them reduce the risk of getting the infection? Uh, We're telling them to wear masks and gloves uh, when they're out in the public, uh, telling them to avoid uh, groups of 10 or more, and also to, you know, practice social distancing. Which is six feet, correct? Trying to stay about six six feet feet from each other. Away from the other next person. And Kimberly, you know, look, in a clinic, uh, as an employee, you're going to come up a lot closer to people you work with. It's unavoidable. How do you deal with that? Does it does it worry you? It does not worry me because in the clinic also we are uh, wearing masks. We're ma- wearing our uh, N95s. We're issued them, and we wear our mask in the clinic, and we also practice social distancing when we are sitting you know, around at the conference table or in the uh, break room. We are practicing what we preach. We're practicing. We have our mask on all day except for, you know, eating or drinking if you're uh, at your desk or in the break room. But we do practice social distancing here. Talk to me a little bit about uh, in nursing school, and we'll certainly get this from Dr. Charles about med school as well. When you went to nursing school, I don't imagine they talked a lot about a pandemic. No, they did not. And when you first hear about this, if we go back a few months now, talking February and March, what was your thought about it? Something that could spread so quickly across the world. Something that could spread so quickly across the world. Well, when I saw the numbers in Italy, how, you know, the country was shut down and you saw it just sweep, you know, after China and then Italy was a big hot spot. And I said, what can this be, you know, that is shutting the world down like this? Because we've had uh, the norovirus, we've had uh, SARS, we've had, you know, different kinds of flus. And when people say, oh, it's just a bad flu, it's not just a bad flu. 
is killing people, you know, especially people uh, like our patient population, mostly are elderly people that have co, you know, morbidities. They have other health issues that make them more susceptible. So it, it was very, very scary. Stay with me just a minute. We're going to come right back to you. I'm Ron Aaron. We're talking down in Sebastian, Florida, with Kimberly Bradley, a nurse practitioner. Our co-host is here as well, Dr. Marissa Charles. You're listening to WellMed Radio on 930 AM, The Answer. You may be experiencing anxiety or stress regarding all the news about COVID-19 or what is commonly referred to as coronavirus. You are not alone. Optum is opening its emotional support helpline, providing access to specially trained mental health specialists. This is a toll-free number, and it will be open 24 hours a day, seven days a week for as long as necessary. This is a free service. Anyone in need of emotional support is welcome to call. The number is 866-342-6892. That's 866-342-6892. One more time, 866-342-6892. That's right, we're doing a little skin screening. As we sit in our Women Radio studio, Dr. Charles, looking at uh, my right forearm where I bought one of those freeze your ward off stuff because you won't give me that can you use in your office to take home. Sorry. I yeah. want that can. It's so with, sorry. Uh, yeah, give me that can. And so uh, I tried it to freeze the ward off. And it appears to have worked. And actually, yeah, I was just, you know, I saw yeah. the scab. I just wanted to make sure it wasn't something growing. But considering no. that it's something you froze, that looks good. So looks what do scabs good. do? Um, they protect the skin as you get healing underneath, and eventually they fall off and you get healthy skin under. So. Why do we always want to pick them off? Because that's our nature. <laughs> but we must resist. <laughs> Don't pick it off. Don't pick it off. Yeah, give it time. It, it, it's kind of... It's not ready. It's like a chrysalis underneath. That's right. Magic it's, is happening. It's your own body making your own little Band-Aid there. Wow. So. That's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Our kids ask all the time, Daddy, what is that? Mm-hmm. And I try to explain, call Dr. Charles. She'll tell you. There you go. Now, we're talking on our WellMed Radio Hotline <laughs> with Dr. Kimberly Bradley, a nurse practitioner, uh, Ms. Bradley, nurse practitioner Bradley. Uh, you know, uh, there are some now, in fact, someone I know here uh, in San Antonio, uh, Kim, who's working on a doctorate in nurse practitioning. So that's available as another degree. You only have about 20 other degrees already. <laughs> why, why not go for another one if you ever thought about it? Well, I, I may think about it in the future. I may think about it in the future, but uh, right now I wanted to uh, become expert, you know, in my field, and then I, I may think about it. As you take a look at, and you mentioned it's, your patients at high risk here. It is. It is seniors, and now it turns out young people who thought they were bulletproof turns out not to be true. They're developing uh, the coronavirus as well. Uh, for the patients who come to your clinic, it, it's a whole new normal that is, well, totally not normal for them. How are they responding, uh, Kimberly, to the, the ways in which uh, you're treating them in the parking lot, the ways in which you're only bringing a few into the clinic at a time, uh, the ways in mm-hmm. which you try to protect them and yourself. 
Well, that is um, why we're called right frontline workers, and because uh, we are in contact with you know so many people, and that's what we try to convey to the patient. You know, it's not only for their protection; it's for our protection, and uh, we want to be able to to have a clinic there to help them. You know, when they need help. And uh, most of the people, we haven't had any negative response. They, A lot of people love the telemedicine because they don't have to leave their home, you know, once they're set up. And the grand pad is a very, very uh, good idea because uh, when you do the curbside, they can just press the button and turn it on. They don't have to think about how to do it, what button to push, and uh, you're able to have a visit. So a lot of them have responded very well. I agree. I think with my patients as well, I would say with the, you know, we have so many patients, especially some of my older folks that are um, concerned about the technology and feel like they're not going to be able to know how to do it or they're going to break the device. Um, But those grand pads really do make it easy. It really is just one green spot that, you know, dot that comes up and you just have to touch it and you are ready to go. All right, now I'm looking you right in your beady brown eyes. And I'm saying to myself, I'm 78. What, what to you is older? What? I've got a patient that's over 100. Come on. Cool. Yes. So, but, you know, you know, there are some patients, obviously, that have grown up around technology and are very comfortable with it. And, yes, I have, you know, friends and patients in their 80s that are on Facebook and, you know, doing great. Yes. Um, I'm just tweaking you. Of course. <laughs> um, but I do have, you know, some patients that really – have gotten to this point in their lives and have no technology at home, do not have smartphones, do not have laptops. And those are the patients where that grandpad in the parking lot is a lot easier. There's a commercial, I don't remember the company, but a great commercial where a woman has a bunch of pictures pasted on her wall and she says, I'm going to unfriend you. It takes a picture off the wall. And they say to her, I know that one. Say, That's not how it works. That's not how it works. <laughs> And, and, and that would be the stereotype of the senior who has no idea how any of that technology works. Well, yeah. we, well, we come across folks like that. I would say the vast majority do have some exposure or have a, a if you have grandkids, a grandchild, you're into it, right? exactly. Right. Somebody in the household will have an iPad or a telephone or a smartphone. Um, but you still get, you know, a few patients that it, that really struggle with it. So, so tell me if, if you will, and, and we touched. On this, Kimberly, what would be the symptoms of someone who, if they have one or two or three or only one of them, should not go to your clinic, should call you, uh, do perhaps telemedicine, and then you figure out what the course of treatment may be? I would say the um, most prevalent would be the high fever because you would know, you know, if you're hot, if you feel hot. Or you're, you take your temperature and you're consistently, you know, running a temperature. So that would be a real tip-off. That would be a tip-off that something's wrong. And when they call you, what do you then tell them? They say, you know, hey, Kimberly, I'm not feeling well. I'm, I have a temperature. It's been running uh, for a senior. I guess 101, 102 would be high. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and you say to them, don't you dare come to my clinic. 
we say, no, no, don't come here. <laughs> right. No, we don't tell them that. <laughs> we tell them that they need to uh, go with, they have, there's another clinic that is near another location of WellMed that has, uh, they have a, like a, they will do the testing. They have the uh, respiratory isolation room. We send them there and, you know, let them be tested and also, you know, treated for the symptoms. Because the one place, Dr. Charles, you know you don't want to be is a hospital. Worst place to be if you're sick <laughs> turns out to be a hospital, right? So you try to avoid that if you can. If possible. Of course, you know, there are situations yeah. where it can't be avoided, but... You know, and especially with the numbers of severe illness going up and the hospitals, you know, getting to a point where they could become overrun with um, patients with the COVID-19, um, you know, we need to try our best to um, isolate now to reduce the risk of developing the infection in the first place. I, I read somewhere that uh, the pressure on ICUs is growing again. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, for the patient who goes into the hospital with severe symptoms, can't breathe, for example, Mm -hmm. very high fever. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why is the ICU where you'd prefer to have them? Well, that's where they can be monitored most closely. They have, you know, nursing that is um, available to them around the clock and one-on-one in most cases, you know, at most two patients per the, you know, RNs in the ICU. So that's where they get the most specialized care and where they can get the most... um, uh, you know, the, the highest caliber treatment in the hospital. So the patients that are really struggling, especially with it when it's respiratory, especially if they need to be on a ventilator, the ICU is where they would be. And yet so you, those ICU beds are precious. You had said to me, we were talking off the air, and this is no surprise to uh, Kimberly Bradley, you don't want to be on a ventilator for a long period of time if you can avoid it, right? That's, that's correct. You, you don't want to be on a ventilator to begin with. <laughs> Exactly. Why is that? I mean, you know, the the ventilator is, you know, in in many cases necessary. It's good news, bad news. Yes. If it's necessary, of course we use it. But um, it does put a lot of strain on the lung tissue and there, you know, can be scarring and there can be um, some trauma that happens just from being on the ventilator. But, of course, if the option is, you know, being severely hypoxic versus being on the ventilator. Of course, you know, the majority of the time we would choose to be on the ventilator. Now, I know with coronavirus in particular, if we can um, keep a patient's oxygen levels steady without having to put them on the ventilator, we try to wait as long as possible um, because of the possible trauma. Um, Now, you know, coming off of the ventilator, and we were talking as well, um, you know, we don't even know the degree of trauma or the kinds of cases that we're going to be seeing in patients that survive the coronavirus and that end up, you know, having been on the ventilator and are now off of it, um, you know, we may be seeing pretty significant um, uh, problems for those patients in the future as well. We really haven't learned enough about it or had enough of those cases to know for sure. Uh, Physiologically, Mm -hmm. the ventilator, Kimberly, does what? Forces air into your lungs? The ventilator is uh, basically breathing, right, doing the work that your lungs would do. So it's pushing air in Mm -hmm. because you're not able to pull it in yourself. Correct. And that's partly because what has the virus 
done to your lungs, Dr. Charles? It's turned them into... So um, from my understanding, there's just so much inflammation that happens in the lung tissue that it's hard to get that oxygen exchange down at the, you know, the cellular level. So um, Mm -hmm. it makes it very difficult for patients to maintain normal oxygen levels in their blood. So that, of course, causes, you know, altered mental status, confusion, um, you know, shortness of breath, difficulty walking, difficulty doing, you know, normal daily activities. I have a neighbor across the street, uh, a retired military guy in his probably mid-80s, who who has breathing problems. He already has problems breathing. Mm -hmm. So he's very afraid of this virus. As well he should be. Yes. Mm -hmm. So he and his wife go nowhere. Yeah, and and really, again, at this point in time, with the treatments that are available for the virus being so limited, um, prevention is key. Wow. Yeah. Got about 30 seconds left, Kimberly. We're going to have to say goodbye to you, but you are a delight to talk to, and we'd like to get you on again down the road. I'll tell Josh White, our producer who puts this show together, that you're on the invite back list. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Well, you're great. And I have to tell you, not everybody makes that list. So we're delighted to have you on there. And uh, we'll talk with you again soon. And if we get down to a, a Sebastian or wherever else you're hanging out, we'll look you up and say hi. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Nice talking to Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. You too, Dr. Charles. Bye-bye. Dr. Kimberly Bradley, Mr. Ms. whatever, Kimberly Bradley, nurse practitioner. So tempted to say doctor. Hey, thanks. This was fun. It was fun. Well, yeah. at Radio, 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Dr. Marissa Charles, Ron Aaron, we'll talk with you soon. Thank you for listening to WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And please be sure to tune in next week for another edition of WellMed Radio.